Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to the Under the Helmet Weekly Fantasy Football Dynasty Podcast. I am Chad Parsons, joined by Katie Flower, and we're going to be looking at long-term player value. This is the official podcast of UTHDynasty.com, home to over 300 podcasts annually, whether it's strategy, player-centric, getting ready for your rookie or startup drafts, as well as a trade calculator there, plenty of articles and metrics to have your best season yet. And Katie, we're going to be talking about running backs, and this is going to be a good way. We talked quarterbacks last week. We're going to go through the skill positions. Kind of a state of the union, where do we stand? I know it seems like it's uh, pulling teeth to get us to a moving point of some sports calendar. you know. And typically, this is about the time of year, you know, you finish your rookie drafts, largely finish your rookie drafts. But yeah, then, you know, June, maybe into July, not a whole lot going on in terms of the news. Rookie camps are over. So we're, we're kind of used to this. It's been going on since March, uh, sports-wise, outside the NFL draft. And we fortunately had a, a traditional dynasty rookie draft season. But it may be a, a few more weeks before we start to get towards 2020 pointing NFL news and activities. Um, so we're going to finish up this series. That'll take us through the next three weeks. And I think sort of reassessing where we are then is going to have us at a maybe more positive looking point of, uh, of what we can s- discuss for action planning. But right now it's about dynasty trading, setting up your team. And one thing I think we said last week, just to start it off, Katie, is the not projecting ahead with what your lineup looks like and thinking I have to make moves because I don't like the way my team looks now. This year, more than any, could exactly be one where you get partway through the season and things look drastically different for every single team in your league than maybe what you thought here in June, July. That is one of the biggest mistakes that I see dynasty owners make is trying to make moves in June to set their lineup for September or even December, you know, uh, you know, on into the championship. It's like, I can't win with this roster. I need to get XYZ running back. That's going to be all the difference that it makes. And this is just not the time of year to be buying running backs. This is the time of year to stash guys that are undervalued or to potentially sneak in a couple of undervalued guys in trades as like a throw-in type or to get a bridge guy that's on the cheap um, somebody that's in an uncertain situation that's the that's what you should be looking to add to your rookies that you just got in your rookie drafts that kind of stuff I do have to mention it because you said the phrase that pays, which is one of the biggest mistakes dynasty owners make. And uh, Tim and I on the the Patreon show this week are actually going to be discussing the the cardinal sins, our biggest cardinal sins. And I'm sure that's going to be brought up for our show this week. And that's patreon.com slash UTH for for more content. Uh, But Katie, um, yeah. Well, good, because I thought you were going to say that it was a drinking game. That was the phrase that pays. And every time you hear it, you've got to take a shot or Or you have to call into a radio at (laughs) 97.4 The Elf. Um, I think 
think one one overarching thing that that we can also mention, and it's a little bit of a downer because we're nine, ten, eleven months from you being able to put this into action. But it's really, and you always say all the time, you know, you you draft rookie running backs that you like, and then you hold said rookie running backs that you like and see how they develop over one, two, three years and see what you have. And a lot of times that is a dynamic player, a rising player, a guy that may not have full clarity for a a strong role on their depth chart initially, but it turns into that at some juncture. And now, as I like to say, you have options. You have options with starting NFL running backs um, that have requisite talent age, um, pedigree, all of these things, and especially when they're showing it on the field with highlight plays um, and impacting their team. So, But to get there, again, it's rookie draft season. So right now, you may be 80, 90-plus percent complete with your rookie drafts this year, so that would be a startup draft situation more so than, again, you got to wait for 2021. But we were heavy, just so folks know, I mean, dating back to January, talking about this great 2020 class at running back, that this was a great year to kind of go all in and get three, four, five of these select target players that we liked uh, across your rounds uh, of rookie drafts. And and that that's really a great place to start building a better foundation for your team from this moment forward. Yeah, I mean, you can't expect rookies to come in and blow the doors off. If you get a rookie that comes in and gives you a month, a two to four week window, a predictable of, month, predictable where you can where you can start them, that is a bonus. There are going to be some guys that do hit the ground running, literally pun intended, uh, but we can't count on those that's why you want to acquire as many of them as you can for the right price the right price was getting first thrown into deals last year knowing that this year's class was loaded and that's why you and I spend so much time scouting college football and doing the devi work so that a year like right now we're already predicting that 2021 is going to be an off year when it comes to running backs there may be one or two but by and large you're going to fade the position the wide receiver class is much stronger if it's super flex we've got strong quarterbacks but the reason we're able to predict that and the reason that we were able to predict 2019 as a as an off year is because we spend a lot of time watching college football and putting the time into the Debbie players. It doesn't mean we're always right. It doesn't mean that uh, it's that we're going to hit on every single player, but the percentages, when you know that it's a really good class of running backs like this year, and let's say you traded for an extra two or three firsts last year at their least expensive price or even the year before at their least expensive price now even if you get in the draft and you don't like the player that's available you can still trade that pick for at least the value you got if not more it's a it's an outstanding overall class as a whole but this is the type of year to really kind of go in and and get three or four of those targets especially the later guys like uh aj Dillon, who's early second antonio gibson who's late second early third uh you've got depending on the price anthony mcfarland and zach moss and Lamichael p ryan as some of the later uh dj dallas and even uh lynn bowden you got a lot of options all the way through the price range just stack them up and take a lot of shots 
Yeah. And I, I think what you said, which is, you know, if you're, you're looking for moments, you're looking for cross sections of a season with clarity in terms of how comfortable do you feel that could be an injury that paves the way. It could be a player, you know, maybe the veteran of that, of that committee on how it's looking the first few weeks or month or two months of the season ends up, you know, fumbling away, or maybe it's so overt that the rookie or young running back is just better. You know, and, and so I think it's important, even with these, you know, the big five running backs, let's say, of this year, you know, all of them, you can paint pictures on why, you know, they're not going to be a week one in your lineup feeling comfortable type player. If there's no injury, if there's no further clarification for how that's going to pan out leading up to week one, because even if we view them as, oh, well, within, you know, by the end of 2021, expect them to be rolled out as the 1A option and clearly getting the most snaps you know, in that backfield and most touches, but chasing that situation. I remember Ronald Jones was one of those cases people chase right now. People are chasing Keyshawn Vaughn, uh, but David Montgomery last year, what I always say is Daryl Henderson. I always say this about, you know, people that say, man, I want more people to read my article, you know, spinning it in a fantasy football sense. Like, Oh, I want more people to read my article or listen to my podcast or, or do X or Y. And what I always say is, you know, I don't be careful. You know, do you want everyone who may give you one chance? Do you really want right. them listening or reading this one thing right now when you've been doing it for a few months or weeks or a year? Wouldn't like how about what if you build up to that? What if it's two years, three years, four years from now where you really feel like I'm ready and I, I really enjoy that everyone is is consuming my product, whatever that is. Uh, and running backs are the same way. You know, David Montgomery comes out and didn't he create as many questions as answers with a high workload last year? It was kind of a shoulder shrugging, but but everyone chased that situation. Yet, you know, this year, uh, you know, I would say that in general, there's a little less situational chasing, but Keyshawn Vaughn maybe is the most glaring of the first couple rounds. But all of these situations from DeAndre Swift to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, maybe Cam Akers is the one where you expect him to maybe win that 1A role the easiest? I don't know. but, but I think a lot of people are banking on Clyde Edwards-Alaire, oh, to be honest, oh, I, from everything well, I've seen. I, no, but I, I'm in realistic terms. You know, Cam Akers right. might have the best chance the earliest without anything else because Damian Williams is a pro. I mean, he's stuck around the league for how long and deserve touches going all the way back to Miami. So I, I just – I think a lot of people project September for for rookies in general, and even running backs who progress quickly. And what I would say is, look at opportunities to maybe get a five to ten percent discount on players that you like early on in the year. And we'll be talking about that weekly when we get there. That a lot of times people are are asking too much of rookies to develop too quickly into too big of roles because as Katie says, I mean, we're investing in the long-term future and your future impact players and future doesn't always mean week three. Well, and here's two examples from last year's draft, Damian Harris and Alexander Madison. We believed in the talent. Uh, Harris was going at a much steeper price than Madison, but they were both fairly good values. Uh, Damian Harris late first, early second, Madison late second, and he started to move up to the mid second. But there were times you could even get him uh, early third. And with the Dalvin Cook potential holdout, Madison showed enough last year that he's the kind of asset that you, if you did stash him, and I think a lot of UTH listeners did, 
that's going to be money, whether he's money because he becomes a starter in your lineup or money because in season when Cook is holding out, if that happens, will be his most valuable if you want to cash out. But I still wouldn't do it cheaply. I would look at him like a James Conner, expect that he's going to keep the job for as long as Cook holds out, and Cook may not even be there next year. Damien Harris, now that we're hearing that Sony Michelle just had some foot surgery and he's going to be sidelined for a little bit, Harris has shown that he's capable of taking that role. We didn't get to see as much of him as we would have wanted to. We didn't get to see him carry the load like Alexander Madison, but I still believe from his college tape and everything that I've seen of him that he can do it. And though he's dirt cheap right now. Yeah. Even now, he's still dirt cheap. Yeah, Damian Harris is that guy that people might start poking around. You know, that you've been holding him, that opportunity cost, that roster spot where you picked him at 202, 203 or something last year, and you really didn't get anything. He didn't play much at all. And that's a, you know, a four-headed committee that they have with New England that they were running last year. And there wasn't a lot of clarification with some massive, some guys out for two months kind of injury. So you just didn't get that. And what I would remind folks, Damien Harris was a five-star guy and he was a multi-year starter at a big program and I guess the two big programs I would say are Georgia and Alabama and it is hard to be a multi-year starter as the 1A receiving that level of work when there's five-star guys all over the place and high four-star guys that I mean again they had tons of options and they go to that program for the competition. I always think of Brian Robinson when I think of that. You know, he could have gone a lot of places. He really hasn't got a lot of work so far, but he was like, you know what? I embrace the challenge. And he's a guy that I just, you know, who knows? You know, we see guys like, I always think of Alfred Blue at LSU and a few other guys where they really didn't do much in college. They get to the pros and all of a sudden they're better than they were and they stick around for five plus years. Alvin Kamara. Yeah. I mean, that, that they find that talent finds a way in the NFL, which really says, oh, you can play? We're going to use you. And sometimes you get lost at, in college. There, there's these random players sometimes that get a little lost. Um, and I was thinking um, that uh, this is a line Jordan McNamara says probably once every two weeks. I hear it. <laughs> that, you know, he, he says he says also, you know, these, these select players, Latavius Murray is a good example last year. He had a two-week two run of being the number one running back in fantasy. Because all he needed was that opportunity. So for some of these guys that you mentioned, Damian Harris. I mean, what could his workload look like if if Sony Michelle is out? You know, and a lot of these rookie running backs qualify under that. Alexander Madison qualified before that. James Conner qualified. We didn't really yeah. know to that extent that that Austin Eckler would qualify. Um, but that's a depth chart that was ripe to say if if Melvin Gordon is out. I mean, boom, he's clearly better than everybody else on that depth chart. So when you see a a, a situation of the talent is there, the competition will not be there, Alexander Madison is a great example of saying, if Dalvin Cook does not play this game, next game, whatever, what does that look like? Well, it looks like Madison's getting a heck of a lot of work on a good offense. And those are the types of situations you've said before. Don't get cute and say, well, I drafted Alexander Madison at 210. I can sell him for 204 this year plus, you know, a future second. It's like, well, Madison can be an Austin Eckler and win you leagues. So why would you sell that for ancillary things 
it, unless you can move from Madison to something great, and, and it's a different scale. I mean, you know, some guys might not be as high on that totem pole of if one thing happens, they will do this and be the starter and all of these these positive things for you. But I just want to remind folks that Damian Harris also qualifies under this of just saying you really want to wait unless you're getting the price of assuming it already happens and you're getting that right now, then you really want to hold out and say, well, I got four or five of these guys. Imagine what I can do to people in my league if I'm putting out three, four, five running backs a week where I'm able to, and they all benefited from injuries or clarification on their depth charts. Yeah, and you don't want to be a farm team for somebody else. And your league will get to know if you're the one that, because of who you listen to, you pick up the talent like an Alexander Madison, and then at the very first sign of them getting an increased role, you flip them for just a small profit. And we even had somebody on Twitter call us out for mentioning that Alexander Madison is worth hanging on to. Let me repeat, Alexander Madison is not a hot potato. There are running backs that are hot potatoes that once they sniff a a bigger role, they're fugazis and you just want to get rid of them. and, And yeah, you would take that bit of profit, whatever it is. That's not Madison. Different situation, totally different situation because of the talent and everything that goes along with the scouting that was put into knowing who he is. Now, if you if you think he's a hot potato and you want to just cash out, as you mentioned, if that'll make you sleep better, that's fine. But I don't want to be a farm team for somebody else's dynasty team right. in my league. And I don't want to be known as that owner that just is constantly selling out for a small profit when I know that that player can help me win a championship or turn him into a couple of players that help me win a championship, not just small ancillary future. You're kicking the can and you're getting lower probability things that none of them are really going to have the opportunity or the possibility to pop in such an extent that really helps you. And I think people underestimate how big is that subset of players that truly make a difference? You know, Austin Eckler really helped you last year. James Conner a couple of years ago really helped you because he went from the bench. He went from someone you paid a second or a third or whatever it was for to an auto start weekly. And maybe that's what you needed. Maybe you had the big injury. All of a sudden, those types of players bridge the gap. And then what if you don't have the injury? What if you're full strength and now you just have another auto start top five, top eight weekly play? That's really where you turn from a, I'm a contender to now I'm the best team in the league, or I was a contender. Now I have a bye week or I was going to miss this. This all had all the makings of a sub 500 season, but now I'm in the dance and I have one of the hot players, one of the it girls to really help my chances. And I, I wanted to read a question and it was a perfect timing uh, of getting this question from a subscriber and listener because we were talking running backs this week. And he said, could you uh, help out with some of the cheaper early season running back targets? Now, cheaper is key. And Katie, don't get all the hairs, you know, on the back of your neck standing up because we just said, this is not the time to think you got needs and, and all these things. Uh, But to target uh, and use them because, you know, the rookies take time to take over. And he said, people in his league are wanting, uh, let me see, first or my A.J. Dillon in a second for guys like Jordan Howard. So it sounds like a very skewed marketplace in his situation of 
guys with profiles, you know, even if they're going to be maybe committee options, that you're going to have to give up a prime long-term piece or a big-time rookie valuation, you know, rookie pick to get those players. So if that's the environment, what would be your approach in the trade market, Katie? All right. So guys like Mark Ingram, who's on the older side of the spectrum, who still has some gas in his tank, should be able to get got for cheap. And because of the J.K. Dobbins coming in, people are going to automatically assume, okay, Ingram's no good. But look what he did with the split with Alvin Kamara in New Orleans. If there's any kind of usage to that, and Baltimore is a very run-heavy offense, I don't think they're putting Mark Ingram out to pasture. I think he's a good early season running back while J.K. Dobbins is learning the offense, while they're still incorporating him and other uh pieces of the offense into it, I think Ingram could be a steal. He's somebody that I would be looking for. I think Todd Gurley is still highly, highly undervalued, and you could probably get him a lot cheaper than you could just a year ago. Uh, Guys like Kareem Hunt, who, because of the uh, bonehead off-the-field stuff, we are not quite sure what the mix is going to be, and he's got that committee moniker with Nick Chubb, who has shown that he's pretty outstanding. You could potentially get him. Uh, Philip Lindsay, another guy that with Melvin Gordon in there, um, there's so many question marks on Royce Freeman. I'm not sure that you would want to get him thrown into a deal, but Philip Lindsay is like an afterthought and and could be a very good early early uh, person. Carry on Johnson with DeAndre Swift in Detroit. And plus the fact that Detroit hasn't really focused all that well on the running game uh, in the past, I think Kerryon Johnson could be of value. Marlon Mack, another one. Everybody expects Jonathan Taylor to come right in and take over. I think it's going to be a little slower than that. I think Jonathan Taylor will eventually, but for early in the year, while things are still, if if you're looking for the first half of the year kind of guy, Marlon Mack, I man... He's really cheap. I think people are still high on Aaron Jones, but uh, so I wouldn't touch him necessarily. But Marlon Mack could be had or thrown into a deal potentially. Yeah, one more I'd mention is Damien Williams. You know, assuming that Clyde Edwards-Helaire yep, is was going there. is going to be trusted <laughs> on a high number of snaps. You know that yes. that Damien Williams can be trusted. He he. A lot of people say he should be the MVP of the Super Bowl. I mean, so this is a situation that. You know, even if the answer to the question is Edwards Alaire at some point this year, but there's some stepping stones always for rookies that, and also what I would remind yeah, uh, and Brian, I don't think I mentioned that, but, but Brian about this question is again, how, you know, you say you need something for the early season. There are so many avenues that if you've got lack of clarity, but you've got guys that are ones or twos on depth charts, you could have a lot of ones or you could have a lot of twos. There's so much variation. And part of that could be who's eligible with their, you know, temperature scans and testing, you know, going into week one. So we have so many variables before we even get to that first game and that first set your lineup moment. And I would say, are there guys, depending on the depth of your league, are there guys that are an injury away right now? Because those could be as good of odds as saying, well, I've, I've got to go after guys like Jordan Howard, or maybe it's like Kerryon Johnson or whoever, or Mark Ingram, whoever you think right now is a sturdy 1A for week one or whatever. How much cheaper are guys that are an injury away but have that clarity? Could that be Adrian Peterson? You know, what if Darius Geis were to get injured again? Or what if he's out for a couple weeks to start the season? There's so many variables, but looking at those higher upside 
cheaper options? Could that be Duke Johnson? Could that be maybe Lamar Miller is on your waiver wire and you say he Carlos could, Hyde. Carlos Hyde in Seattle. You know, I mean they have a number of injuries that they're tracking there. So all of these situations, all those guys are cheaper than, than some of the guys that maybe you're not getting the right offer. Latavius Murray is another good one. Right. And so I just think you need to be a little more agnostic maybe. And if you have your heart set on three or four guys, you need to open that up to maybe 15 or 20 uh, because someone else is going to... Someone will bite. Someone Someone will will bite bite at the price tag that you're looking. And it's... Otherwise, but set a a line and say, okay, I I checked the market. I gauged it. I wanted to add to this position. It didn't work out. Let's see in a month. Let's see in six weeks if something changes. Maybe one of my wide receivers or tight ends or I've got an ancillary quarterback, things look different for them, and now I can trade them for a running back that someone's now changed their opinion and they're a little bit more accessible than they were. I always think you know, just having that, man, I really want another one, and by the end of the weekend is really dangerous if you're not sitting week eight and there's certain circumstances at play for your team to say, I need to take action now, and now is not you know, the moment to have that, those feelings and that urgency. Katie, is there, you know, amidst the questions you've seen or just the general marketplace, um, is there a running back or two that you say, boy, like it doesn't have to be a rookie. It could be a young player that you say, I am just really far apart. Uh, maybe on the, the market is so much higher than I am uh, about said player. And can you use them as an example uh, of maybe why um, you're below market or you'd be a strong seller? So it doesn't have to be a rookie, but it could be? Sure. All right. So I think that Clyde Edwards-Alaire, to me, is too expensive for my question mark on him. My biggest question mark on him, and I watched a lot of LSU football because they're in the SEC, and everybody knows that I'm an SEC bias type person. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. So his his biggest question mark is his blocking, his pass blocking and, and pass protection. He like a bullfighter, ole, and here's the cape, and I'm going to just move out of your way and hope that my quarterback runs faster than you can. In the NFL, that doesn't fly, and you cannot get Patrick Mahomes hurt, killed, or otherwise. And Patrick Mahomes had quite a few injuries last year and was banged up. Damian Williams has shown more than enough that he can protect and be that guy. So if Clyde Edwards-Alaire struggles a little bit with that role and he didn't even look to be a willing blocker. It'll be interesting to see with the truncated preseason how he can adjust to the NFL game and game speed and especially learn a big important piece such as the blocking. I think he's overrated. Um, for me, I'm more of a wait and see. I'm not going to pay the 101 or the 102 uh, to get him. I, I do like him. Everybody's like, why don't you like Clyde Edwards Lair? I do like him. I don't like his price. Well, you probably, I'll say, yeah, that, that's always the thing. You know, it's all about price. So yeah. if you say he costs 105, 106, I'm, again, I, I have ended up with then zero my shares. Ears perk up yeah, and I'm yeah, I'm, I'm interested at that price. But the point is, you know, you have to have 101, 102. Superflex 103 is kind of the, that kind of zone to draft him. And this is, so I'm in the same boat, and, and there's people out there, Katie, so it sounds like you are completely on the other side, which say pass protection for running backs, completely overrated. You know, we want them to catch passes, but like fumbling, that gets you off the field. That gets you set back in terms of the progression you're hoping to get for a high snap share because otherwise you're going to have a limitation. If you're not out there in hurry-up offense, if you are not out there 
on almost any third down. If they know they can't hold you in to protect, to protect their star cornerstone elite quarterback, that has to limit your usage with the team. And if someone else is trustworthy in that capacity, you know, that's just something, again, you pull an Olay and if you're not, especially this year, if you're not going to get as many full speed reps before week one, when are you getting the reps? Well, the reps are going to happen, what, walkthroughs, uh, you know, installs during the week. And then what? They're going to test you on a very small scale basis week to week. And if you keep passing, it will keep rising. But that could be a slow process. I'm right there with you. I mean, this is the wrong class. If, it, if we were talking last year, Josh Jacobs, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, one, two, boy, isn't this easy? You know, like both late first round picks and here's where they went and all that kind of stuff. But it's the wrong class when he's going to go up against some of the juggernaut uh, prospects at the running back position that just happened to go after him in the draft. And the other thing is in college, his final year, he rushed for 1400 yards and he caught 55 passes for 453 yards. So he is a pass catching back, but that's not going to translate if he can't block. And in college, it's not the same game speed. There's a lot of other things that, that come into factor. The schemes are going to be so much more confusing in the NFL. Right, and I'm not saying that he can't. I'm just saying that at that price, I'm not willing to put a poker chip on him and find out. And he may be great. He, he very well could learn very quickly and, and take the role over from Damien Williams and, and be Patrick Mahomes. Be Brian Westbrook for three years. Right. Well, he very well could be, but I'm not willing for, for as much as I like the other talent that. I would rather have it's a big that risk. other talent. It's a big it risk. And and he and again he did it one year. That that's the thing I right. would point out. He basically had one big year on one of the most prolific college teams we've seen in a while in what they were able to do and shred through their schedule to a national championship. So just to remind They so, had a lot of weapons yes. that they had to be looking at. Correct. And it was a uh, much easier yeah. Yes. I'm not going to discount and say that he isn't right really good because he is, and I do like him. I just do not like that price tag. The other day I was holding my breath. I had the one oh two in a rookie <laughs> draft and yeah. the draft started and f- like three or four hours go by and the guy is like, Yeah, I'm either gonna trade or pick shortly and he finally picked and thankfully took Clyde Edwards Alaire and I had the one oh two and I jumped on yeah. Jonathan Taylor saying thank you. I had some thank of those situations. You. It really is you're holding your breath because you also, you know, you don't it's not worth the gamble to trade from one oh one to you know, one oh two to one oh one because we know Oh, there's a good chance that Edward Talaire is going to be picked at that first spot or that first running back spot, whatever the format is. And trust me, the owner that had the 101, we had been back and forth a couple times and there was absolutely no way that I was going to right. be able to reasonably trade. And it worked out. Yeah. And so why... All right, so I think I've asked you this maybe a couple months ago, but so why Jonathan Taylor over Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? You built the case for for Edwards-Hilaire, some of the questions you have. Uh, With Jonathan Taylor, what are some of the reasons, you know, he is a top for a very, very strong class? He 
did it for three years. He did it from the moment he laid foot on the Wisconsin football field. Uh, I believe he's a bigger overall back. He's fast. He's just got all of the uh, everything. He's got it. You look at him, you watch him run, you watch him receive the ball, and he's smooth. He's just, he's got it. Okay. Um, let me see. Of the of the veterans, what do you think? You mentioned Todd Gurley, you know, as one of your preferential veterans that you talk about landing in a good spot. You know, I mean, Atlanta has been starved for running back production of late since those big years from Devonta Freeman. And they've got weapons on the outside. They added Hayden Hurst. Matt Ryan's going to have a nice insulating high floor outcome for that offense in general um, in some good peak moments. And Gurley just slides right in there uh, to, to really build on the season that was underrated last year. Is there any other older veteran and we'll call older maybe 25 and up I guess with with all the young talent we got at running back right now um, but is there anyone else that's sort of that bridge slash super bridge in a one to two year window you feel pretty comfortable with their price well like I said Mark Ingram okay um, I feel like he's a decent bridge and his price is a lot lower right. like like way lower uh, I think David Johnson in his new situation at a reasonable price could also be another one that uh, I'd be looking at. Okay. What do you think about one guy that I've, I mean, the uh, the career arc looks really good for someone like Le'Veon Bell, who's also fallen through the floor at 28 years old. Is he, yeah, is he another one where you say cheap. the Jets can't, I mean, it was rolling back the clock to some of these wishbone high school offenses seemingly with what the Jets were not rolling out as a passing game. And yet he was still, Usage-wise, I think he was a mid-running back two last year, so so he's pretty cheap too. Yeah, he is another one that's that's really dropped off value-wise. Okay, um, well, let me see. Buffalo is also a backfield I wanted to ask you about. So you got Devin Singletary. He made a bunch of flashes last year. A little bit undersized. They drafted Zach Moss. They still got T.J. Yeldon. Is that one of the backfields that, I mean, maybe you don't have a ton of shares of any particular player, but it seems pretty ambiguous on, boy, if right now we knew how that turned out this year on who, you know, what cross-section of the year, who was doing what, that might be a really good one uh, for paired with a, a rushing quarterback. There's some good upside there. Um, are there any others you can think of where, boy, if I had a crystal ball, I'd love to have the answer to this? Uh yeah, I mean, Zach Moss is one of those types of guys a lot of people believe that he's better than Singletary and at his price range, 206 to 301-ish, it's worth stashing for sure. Um, It'll be interesting to see how Arizona ends up with Kenyon Drake and does he tote the full load. Chase Edmonds is somebody I would be stashing completely. Um, And even Eno Benjamin, he's not even going in three rounds of rookie drafts. You could pick him up off the waiver wire probably. It depends on how deep your league is. Um, and we saw Arizona last year, just last year get all the way down to the point of they traded for a guy because they got down to the nubs. I mean, Chase Edmonds, I think, got one start, and then the next start he was out. David Johnson kind of coming back. They make the move for Kenyon Drake. Um, and talk about a guy that going back to Alabama – he really yeah. hasn't been the guy for very long for any stint. And it it kind of gives me, you know, tinglies of, you know, I like the player. I've watched him make a ton of quality plays. He's, he plays so tough as a pass blocker. Uh, he can do so many things, but we just haven't really, you know, I mean, he's pretty late in the game to say this is going to be the year and it all comes together, but it absolutely could. So he's one that 
boy, if I had that crystal ball, Kenyon Drake would be one of those of saying, does he stay healthy? Is Arizona even 80% as good as maybe the advertisements and the billboards could be just lining up all the talent they have with DeAndre Hopkins, et cetera, uh, that could come together in that perfect storm. But there's also a ton of downside when you say they haven't done it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm also, you know, I wish I had a crystal ball with the Miami Dolphins backfield. Yes. Uh, Jordan Howard, a resurgence. Matt Breida, new there. Um, is it going to be Fitzmagic early in the season or the full season? Is Tua just going to take a redshirt season and, and learn? Um, you know, who knows? So that whole offense, you know, even their wide receiver core is all a big, a big question mark. Yeah, and I would just circle back, kind of looking at a, this matrix I made for a, for a Football Guys post a few weeks ago on the running backs that, you know, we mentioned a couple guys. You mentioned Carlos Hyde, and I kind of doubled down on that. Some of these solid veterans who are out there to some degree. Is that Devonta Freeman? Carlos Hyde already has a home in Seattle, which I think is a sneaky a sneaky landing spot there. Lamar Miller's ready to go. You know, we've seen him carry the load for a number of years in multiple teams. So those are Jordan Howard types of saying, don't be surprised if an injury occurs. And a la Adrian Peterson, he just kind of comes in. You know, I, I've been there, done that. And all of a sudden you need me, I'm here. I'm here, coach. Put me in 15 plus touches. I'm ready. And there are still guys like that. Again, you have zero clarity. The point is they're cheap. The point is they're right. third round rookie pick valuations. Depending on, you know, 25 man rosters, they might be out there. They might be out there for free. And these are the types of ways to really optimize those final roster spots instead of your wide receiver 10 you know, or tight end four, you take a shot on, on someone like this because you say this could work out and they could get a little run here. You know, you mentioned, oh, I wanted to get Jordan Howard. Well, what if the answer is Matt Breida? You know, or what if right. the answer is Lamar Miller for one of these backfields? Or Carlos Hyde is the starter for the opening month because, you know, Rashad Penny is on pup and you got Chris Carson who is, you know, coming back and maybe had some sort of, of delay, you know, in August or early September. And whether or not he's on pup, he's just not there. He's just not the 1A option. He's really slow getting going. Um, so again, you need to look for these profiles of guys that have already done it because you get to August and there's guys on the waiver wire all the time with these, you know, they, they've been there, done that. And yet, you know, we're trying to be the smartest guy in the room sometimes and looking at a guy that realistically is not going to have that same chance, even if one thing happens. Yeah. And San Francisco is another one. I uh, wish I had a crystal ball. You've got oh, yeah. Raheem Moster and Tevin Coleman, Jarek McKinnon coming back. We haven't seen him in a while. Uh, he has had moments where he's looked, oh, he's yep. looked good. Um, a few years so, ago, but yeah, it's, yeah. but, but yeah, they're one that you wouldn't be, even Jeff Wilson, you know, looked good within the system for moments yep. in time. So it's just like, you almost feel like whoever has that job, but do you have the clarity? Do you have the clarity? And Mostert was the cheapest guy. Like even what, mid-season last year, he was the cheapest guy. And so right now it's like, well, Mostert is the most expensive guy, you know? And then everyone yeah. else is tremendously cheaper. So it's almost, it's one of the situations where you say, boy, the situation's so good that if, we, if you can just get a poker chip, you know, to that table and be patient, but sometimes you can't hold it for that long. And that's the other thing. I guess the final point I would make talking running backs is that really know what your patience level is going to be. So if it, and I'm not telling you what to do. Some people are more patient than others. Others are not. And so if you know yourself and you know, you're going to get to week one waiver wire and you're going to want to cut two or three of these guys because you chase flavor of the week. I'm not telling you that's wrong, but if you know that right now, 
you need to build the final four to five roster spots specifically with week one or what could happen before week one in mind. Because if you're going to hold a guy and there is low probabilities that anything really occurs that's going to make them that you don't cut them after week one, that's a wasted spot. So the last thing I would say is know yourself. And these running backs, we encourage you to take shots. But there are different types of shots to take based on your patience level of guys. We would say, hey, we are comfortable holding them basically the whole season. And let's see how this goes. We like them as players in the situation enough to say, if this happens, it could be magical. So if, but again, if you're not going to be patient for that long, it kind of changes who you should be gravitating towards. What about you, Katie, in terms of final thoughts? No, I think you mentioned it well. Um, Just remember that running backs as much as any other position will have as much in the air. I'm getting skeptical with the resurgence of COVID that it's not going to delay things even more. I hope it doesn't put, you know, just teams are starting to do testing and, uh, you know, several players already are showing that they've, that they've got, uh, you know, it's just going to put less clarity on those types of positions, especially running back. And man, I just, yep. I hope it doesn't delay. Right. Money and, up the works. Yeah, and and the the other thing would be again if there if there is a testing schedule during every single NFL week, that is going to be something that you know, is does that require an adjustment to maybe the waiver runs? You know, well, when are the tests and when are the waiver runs? And if they test on Friday or Saturday and it's open season, uh, maybe that's something to have a second waiver run or as an owner, you need to know that. And you got to be really on top of the news. If something breaks and you see if you're in 10 leagues and someone gets picked up in one of your leagues, it absolutely could be testing related. And that's something that you literally got to have the process down so you can go as fast as possible if it's first come first serve, uh, because that could be something that changes on a dime late in weeks uh, when, it, when it comes to what you're projecting for sa- Sunday or Monday. Um, and for, for those that don't know it, for those that are in multiple leagues, when you're on your main page with all your leagues showing, you can search for a player and it will search for your player across all leagues. My fantasy And you don't have to automatically, and you don't have to go through and say, you know, you can see who already owns them. Then I would right click instead of clicking on, because if you click on, then you lose your place. If you right click and open the page in a new tab, it takes you right to the ad waiver and you can immediately add and drop much faster and, and get them way faster and then go back to the next one and the next one. And that's the fastest way I know of yes. if you're if you're working on something like that if you've got multiple leads. You're talking my but language. The other Katie. Thing, <laughs> yeah, but the other thing to keep in mind too, um, and in one of my leagues they've already done this, as a commissioners, you may want to open up a few more IR spots due to COVID and allow owners to be able to move if it's going to be a three-week window or whatever, even though they're not technically on IR, they're not going to be able to play. Maybe with the extenuating circumstances, do a league vote, get it in place now so that you know that you're going to expand IR one, two, three spots, whatever, or not at all. And then just be fair. Everybody's got the same playing field. That's fine. But I would have that talk. 
Yep, that's a great point because they're probably going to have some sort of designation. Now, that may just be, we don't know. Maybe they will be classified as just out, you know, so that out label, but yet you're going to get that out label. It might be Thursday or Friday of the week, and then you can utilize that spot, pick up somebody else. And that might be a floating one, two, three game type type situation. Um, right. But so it may be something you can cl- you can have classified as it's IR players, but it also may be players that you can classify as out. You know that, and I'm I'm sure you know again MFL is the platform we reference the most. I'm sure that's going to be something they clarify in the designation of players throughout uh, this season, um, and and as long as it applies. Um, so yeah, that's a great point. And the one thing that they, they didn't do, I think they used to have it on that, you know, view all my leagues and you can search a player. They used to have it where you could right click uh, and the, they had a trade button, I believe, in where oh. a player was owned. And now they don't have that. That was maybe a year or two ago. So that's one thing yeah. I wish would come back because if you're doing a, I'm targeting a certain player, you can kind of go through and do the right click process, but it still is there for ad players, which is a huge help. Like you said, you can quickly see, oh, I'm in nine leagues and and this player's out there in six of them. Boom, right click, boom, right click. Like you can do it much faster. Like you said, you lose your place. You got to go back to the all my team page. You might need to, you know, research. Like it, it becomes a very slow process. If you're in any meaningful amount of leagues and that might be two or three, if you're beyond that number, it really does slow you down. And that might be the difference of getting a, an extra share or two. But, but I absolutely final thought is what, what Katie said of have that conversation. Are we going to expand IR for this league? Uh, and, and like I said, I don't think it's outside of bounds to maybe have a second when we get clarity on what the testing and maybe where, where the big ripples every single week will be for player eligibility then that might be the time to say, you know what? We run waivers on Tuesday nights, but the first test is going to be on Tuesday. Will, will we have the results? Will we have like what maybe shifts our strategy for the week? Maybe we want to run Wednesdays, you know, and then maybe we want to have a second waiver run on Saturday. And then, you know, after that Saturday run, because they're going to test on Friday, then maybe, you know, then after the Saturday one, we'll have first come first serve. So that may be something you guys end up liking going forward as a permanent change. It may just be for 2020, but these are the, you know, we're, we're going to get in the next, uh, you know, four to six weeks where it'd be nice to have that ironed out as we get more details of here's what our league is going to do uh, to make sure that it's, it's the fair, most fair for everybody. Uh, so for Katie Flower at FF underscore Skyler 399, I am at Chad Parsons NFL. Support the show, patreon.com slash UTH. So you don't hear a bunch of ads every week about, uh, I don't know, uh, about, about anything. Uh, but again, if you want to hear more Chad, Tim Torch is on there supporting uh, everything we do at UTH and becoming a general manager subscriber. Until next time and next week, we'll be talking wide receivers as well as some other dynasty topics. Never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties.